Are you interested in making your own podcast? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You guys can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And in fact, I'm using Anchor and I love it. If you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, everybody. Good morning. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Busy Mom Podcast. Today is Wednesday, April 11th, and I got a whole bunch of things to uh, talk to you about today. Some of them are, I think are going to frustrate you, but I think you need to hear about them. And then we're going to dig in just a little bit uh, to the Bible study that we are working through over at Mom Strong International. We are talking about strategies for spiritual warfare. But before we get into that, I'm going to let you know something that's happening in your local school district that I think you can actually be involved in and make a difference in. So stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right. So I appreciate those of you who have been giving me feedback on having Elizabeth Johnston on the podcast with me. That girl's a spitfire, isn't she? (laughs) She is fired up, and I am hoping to get you guys fired up as well, because there really is a hostile takeover happening in our public school system. Uh, Many of my friends have have had their children in public schools, and so I am not an outspoken uh, proponent of everybody in the whole world pulling their children out of public school, but uh, times are changing, and I want you to be aware of what's happening Uh, in the public school system. And I think some of the things that are happening are very slow sort of, you know, sort of the thought police coming in and stocking our libraries with things that our children have no business reading and pushing agendas that are so radical and so anti uh, to what they're, they're, they're the antithesis of what God says we should be teaching our children. But more than that, it's a disruption of the parent child relationship and an absolute, uh, it's an absolute, well, it's a tragedy, really, what's happening in the school system. So I'm going to kind of start there today. Before I get going, I wanted to let those of you know who live in Canada that I am heading your way tomorrow. I'm going to be coming up to Edmonton. I will be keynoting the AHEA convention in Edmonton, and Jay and I are very excited about doing that. I get up to Canada about two times a year, so uh, and I've never been to Edmonton to speak, so I'm excited about that. So if you're anywhere in the area, I will link back to that convention. I hope to see you guys uh, this weekend. So here's uh, here's kind of what's going on. So I I travel. This is the my travel season. We just got back from Atlanta. Had a great time there. Um, one of my highlights uh, of that entire conference was doing a workshop with my husband, where we kind of talk about. Uh, the ups and downs, seven things that we've learned in our nearly 30 years of being married and raising children. And uh, we <laughs> we had a great, we have a hoot and holler and good time when Jay and I are speaking, partly because most of what we do is off the cuff. I mean, we're going uh, through a list of things, but it's a lot of it's funny and a lot of it's kind of fall down funny. And some of it's kind of, you know, get out your Kleenex and cry a little bit because that's life. And we are in a battle. And I I spoke about this in the keynote address in Atlanta. We are in a battle for the hearts and minds of our children. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 that the battle that we fight is not a battle that we can see with our eyes. But I'm telling you what, 
I'm starting to be able to really see it with my eyes uh, because of what's happening. We may not be able to see the spirit influence with our eyes, but we can definitely see the effects that an evil spirit influence over this country and over our world is having on our children. And I came home on Sunday afternoon and we spent the whole day with our with our uh, kids and our family just sort of hanging around and regrouping and all the things that you do uh, when you get home from a weekend away. And uh, somebody handed me, one of my kids handed me the latest issue of World Magazine. I think this issue came out on the 31st of March. So the newest one uh, hasn't come out yet. So this is this is the newest issue of World Magazine. I'll link back to it in the show notes today. But there was an article in there that sort of got my attention. It's called Battle Over Books. And here is the tagline, How Did a Book on Transgenderism, Hormone Therapy, and Sex Change Surgery End Up on a Popular List for Elementary School Students? I I actually was I was speechless for one thing because I'm like, surely uh, that's not right. Like, this is not in our schools. Well, when I found out who the publisher was, I was like, okay. Now I see where this is going. So this book is actually being published by Scholastic. For those of you who remember uh, coming home from school with the Scholastic flyer in your lunchbox and going through there and picking out books with your mom and uh, the books would be delivered to your... This is the same publisher. Scholastic has a huge warehouse here in Oregon and obviously uh, their whole goal is to market to children. So this is what the beginning of the article says. And I'm going to... This is... The article is written by Emily Bells from World Magazine. I'm going to be referring to quite a bit from the article because I want you to to really get the meat and bones of what's happening because parents, listen to me. If we don't start standing up against this, and I I mean, if there's no way to uh, get this stuff out of the public school, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but what in the world are your kids doing in a school like that? If this is what they're teaching our children, if we're sending our children to school uh, into a public school system that is teaching our children that they can start taking hormones at the age of 10 even though they're not approved by the FDA and most doctors will agree it's terribly damaging to children. How in the world are we leaving our children in a school system for the first 18 years of their life and expecting them to come out completely unscathed? I mean, you'd have to come, you'd have to go to school with your children, right? And no kid wants that. <laughs> Let's just be honest, right? So here's how the article starts. Robin Pranther, a retired children's librarian in Oregon and a Christian volunteers at a school library in the district where she used to work. A fellow librarian pointed out a title to her in an upcoming popular reading competition for third to fifth graders. I'm just going to say that again. This is a reading competition for third to fifth graders. So we're talking eight to 10-year-old children here. The title of the book is George. It was written uh, by a guy named Alex Gino. The story centers on a boy who is convinced he is a girl and discusses genitalia, taking hormones, sexual orientation, and sex surgeries. We're talking about 8 to 11-year-old elementary school children, Prather wrote in an email. Some of these children don't even know about the facts of life yet, right? One would hope. The competition is called the Battle of the Books, a reading event that grew out of Chicago from a radio show in the 1940s and is in school districts and libraries all over the country now. Once a year, school teams meet in a battle to ga- in a battle of game show format, answering trivia questions about the books on the Battle of the Books list. 
George is on Oregon's recently released Battle of the Books list for the 2018-2019 school year. All right, I'm just going to stop right there because I was like, no way. That's not even that that's there's no way that's happening. So I first of all, I've never heard of Battle of the Books. I don't even know what that is. Uh and so I checked it out to kind of see what what is the Battle of the Books? I don't even understand what it is. So it's an actual thing. You can look it up online at battleofthebooks.org. And um, and here's what it is. It says, here's how a student participates. A, start, a student participates by reading from a book list that's provided for this year's America's Battle of the Books. Students may count books they have read before, but they cannot count books that they have only seen a, a video or a movie on. They have to read the book. Where do the students get their book? Well, school libraries can order copies of each book on the list, and the bookstores will also have them available. Teachers and librarians can order copies on the list from a wholesale distributor. So then they give uh, the name, the number of where people can get these books. So I'm, I'm thinking, I don't understand. What is the battle? Well, a typical battle is a full-day tournament, kind of like a college bowl or family feud, in which student teams earn points by answering questions about the book on the book list. And a typical competition day begins with a meeting in the cafeteria, morning snack, and directions for the day. Then they're assigned to a team, given a mascot, and sent to their first round in the, quote, battle. Uh, and it goes on to, to talk about um, how you win it. The two teams are given an opportunity to participate in a regional battle and also in a statewide battle that's usually ended up being held in May or June if county and local participants have organized state battles. Uh, Battle of the Books is a business partnership that serves students, families, and schools. No one receives a salary or a profit, uh, except for they are getting the hearts and minds of children. We should probably point that out. They are getting that. We exist solely to promote the enjoyment of reading. I disagree. (laughs) They do not exist solely to promote the uh, enjoyment of reading. As far as I can tell, they exist to promote an agenda, and parents need to understand that there is an agenda happening over the hearts and minds of our children. So let me let me go on to talk about how this book George got on the list. So uh, in in uh, so George is part. So I looked it up, and it is on the list um, in the category that World Magazine says it is in third to fifth graders. Uh, and uh, in one part of the book, George recounts watching a television interview with a transgender woman where they discussed sex change surgery. So George knew it could be done. The book says a boy could become a girl. She, George, had since read on the internet that you can take girl hormones that would change your body, or you could get a bunch of different surgeries if you wanted them and had the money. This was called transitioning. You could even start before you were 18 with pills called androgen blockers that stopped the boy hormones already inside you from turning your body into a man's. I'm I, I'm I am so angry reading this that I I don't even know where to start. The book is not just for raising quote raising awareness for gender dysphoria or endorsing transgenderism for children. It is publishing risky health data. Pediatric hormone blocking is a relatively new practice, which only began in the United States in 2007, and the FDA hasn't approved it. Giving cross sex hormones like estrogen to a boy. Uh, is also not FDA approved. A recent journal publication from the Washington University pediatric endocrinologist and two Johns Hopkins medical school psychiatrists called hormone therapy in children, quote, a drastic and experimental measure. 
They argued that doctors often promise the hormone, the effects of hormone blockers are fully reversible when there is little evidence to back this up. So this is a this is a big deal, you guys. So basically, this book is going into every uh, school district in the United States right now, and it's a very colorful title, just like I am Jazz. Your kid could pick it up, read it, go, "Oh my goodness, I like playing with with trucks." You know, maybe I'm a boy, and uh, and there you go. And so it begins. So doctors across the spectrum agree that the vast majority of children diagnosed with gender dysphoria later identify with their biological sex. Listen, I have seven children. And over the course of raising those seven children, occasionally my children think they're Batman. One of my kids, when he was uh, when he was very little, thought that he was a girl. We did not shun him. We didn't shame him. We just said to him, you know what? Because he had he had older sisters. And so he's like, well, hey, wait, wait a second. You know, I'm this way and they're that way. And what's the difference? So we just gently and lovingly said, you know what? God made you special. God made you a boy, just like your dad. And one of these days, you're going to grow up to be a man. And we just, we encourage him as parents should to embrace who he really is. This this kind of stuff that's happened. I mean, if you guys aren't aren't angry right now listening to this, you're not paying attention. Because this is actually happening to our children. And you know, children come into this world and their minds are like uh, like wet cement, right? You guys have been around wet cement. You put your handprint in wet cement and you let it sit there for a little while and you give it enough time and pretty soon that wet cement is set. And the minds of children are like that. That quote, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world uh, is not that far off. And t- And people who are writing these books and they're marketing them to children are doing it with a devious intent, and that is to strip parents of their right, their sacred right, which is really to train their children uh, in the way that they have been raised themselves, or maybe not that they've been raised, but in, into their own belief system. And it's literally being hijacked out from under you. And this should, this needs to stop. So, so I'm going to keep reading because this is just, uh, you guys need to hear the whole thing. If you if you don't have access to to a World Magazine for this month, I encourage you. I think you can find the article online. Uh, in the interest of full disclosure, there's a whole bunch of stuff that World Magazine publishes, particularly political, that I disagree with. Uh, but I do appreciate that they keep their pulse on what's happening in the culture. And uh, this says books like George are gaining more acceptance, and publishers are putting out more of them. The next frontier for authors writing about transgender people seems to be middle grade literature or books aimed at 8 to 12 year olds, asserts the New York Times in a 2015 piece. A children's book editor at Scholastic and the editor of George, David Leviathan, told Publishers Weekly that he had been seeing more transgender titles cross his desk and added, hopefully more trans writers will write them. Leviathan Himself, a YA author, featured his first book in 2003, quote, A Homecoming Queen Who Used to Be a Guy. Scholastic did not return requests for comment. You think? Scholastic is supposed to be uh, family-friendly, friendly to children. They have absolutely no business publishing this stuff and pushing it out onto children. Uh, it's interesting to me. So, so the article goes on to talk about a librarian in Oregon who's horrified at this and isn't sure uh, what to do because these books are receiving awards. They're being put on master lists. They're being, being put in public libraries as well as school libraries. So how did, or how did the book George end up on the battle of the books list in Oregon? Well, here's how it went down. A national battle of the books organization comes up with one list, but it hasn't released its titles for the 2018, 2019 school year yet. And every battle of the books chapter that I talked to around the country 
comes up with its own list rather than using the national list. So some of these chapters are just one library while others cover several school districts and some like Oregon, lucky us, are statewide. So Oregon draws on a statewide group of librarians to volunteer and curate the list and the group accepts reader nominations from the list and George was one of the nominees, right? So then the Oregon Battle of the Book Selection Committee considers whether nominated titles meet the organization's criteria to be on the list. So then it begs the question, uh, what's the criteria? Well, here it is. One, an appropriate reading level for third to fifth grade. And two, adds diversity of character, plot, perspective, and genre. Well, I guess it would make that one. Three, is an award-winning book that has highly quality writing, high quality writing, and is well-reviewed. <laughs> I'm skipping that. The committee decided that George met the criteria. Just let that sit for a second, you guys. They went on to say there was not sufficient feedback to cause concern for the committee to exclude the book from the list. This makes me want to weep. There's not sufficient feedback? Uh, did they send out a Facebook uh, query? Did they did they send out something to the Oregonians since this was going out to Oregon students all around the state, did they say, hey, parents, what do you think? These are the books that we're trying to uh, put into the Battle of the Books uh, uh, competition this year, and your kids are going to be debating this book in the Battle of the Books. Nope, they didn't do that. So for them to say that there's not, there wasn't sufficient feedback, can I just raise my hand and say, hey, you didn't ask me for my feedback. I'd love to give you my feedback. I'd love to give you my feedback. So, uh, so it goes on to say that according to the handbook, once a title's on the list, it cannot be removed. <laughs> I just, I'm really sorry, you guys, but I, I, I'm, I'm so, I am so discouraged. Um, I keep hearing about uh, millennials and everybody. So I, I'm really actually kind of tired of seeing uh, cartoons making fun of the millennials. This is not the fault of the millennials, you guys. This is a generation of parents and, and grandparents who've been sitting on the sidelines, allowing this stuff to happen, not paying attention, not getting out there and saying, hey, we want to make our voice heard. Hey, we want to be involved in the public school. Hey, we'd like to be involved in politics. Hey, we'd like to have our voice uh, heard at the town square and at the public um, at the public meetings for uh, for laws and rules that are being implemented into our culture and into our society and into our communities. No, no, we've been sidelined. And so now you've got a list of, you've got a generation of students who everybody's blaming and it isn't their fault. It's the fault of the parents and the grandparents. And I just want to encourage you guys, get off the sidelines and get involved in what's happening in your school district. Find out what's happening in your school. If you live in Oregon, we should be screaming and yelling and writing letters to these people because this book is for the 2018, 2019 school year. So they're saying it can't be removed from the list. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. You know how you remove a book from a list? You, you remove it. You hit the delete button. You erase it. You say, we changed our mind. You know, uh, we repent. The Greek word for repentance uh, in the Bible is mananya. It means a change of mind. This idea that we can't take a book off of a list that we know is going to be harmful to children is ridiculous to me. And so I just want to encourage you uh, to get involved. This is actually happening. Um, there's a, uh, there's a, a whole lot more to this article. But there was one other um, paragraph I thought was worth reading. It says, those books are going on other lists in Illinois. So well, let me back up just a little bit. Um, I'm going to go back to where, okay, George isn't on the list in, uh, in another school district uh, that Kyla was talking about. I think that's Wheaton. So the Wheaton Public Library puts together a book of lists for Wheaton Christian, 
and the 10 surrounding public schools and manages the battles. The schools do eight rounds of battles to determine a champion. Wheaton Christian's team was in second place of the 12 schools contending heading into the final round. The library posts the points each team receives, and then uh, Kyla would go to the library daily to check on the points. Her team meets four times a week. She is not messing around. So these kids are serious about this battle of the book thing, right? George isn't on the list in Kyla's district, but Wheaton Christian's librarian combs through the list to find any titles that might be of concern to Christian parents, and Brest largely leans on the librarian's judgment. The librarian emailed parents this year to alert them to one title, Ghosts, by Raina Telemiger, that might not fit into a, quote, Christian worldview, which makes sense because we're talking about a Christian school. The school emphasized to parents that the students did not have to read the book and suggested that parents read it first if their children were going to read it. Breast read Ghosts and then let her daughter read it. One other student read it too, so they are, they are designated hitters for the Ghosts question. But with a book like George, Breast can see that approach falling short. I wonder if that will scare people away from even even having their kid on the team at all from an exposure sense. (laughs) You think? Yeah, I think so. Her daughter hasn't yet had sex education, so many of the graphic details in George would be new to her. For now, Breast doesn't see a book with that kind of controversial material making it onto a list in their conservative, largely Christian districts. Those books are going on lists in Illinois, though. Lillian Duncan by Donna Gephardt won the state's uh, Rebecca Caldhill Young Readers Book Award in Lily and Duncan. This is another book in Lily and Duncan, which the list says is for sixth to eighth grade. Tim is an eighth grade boy who is certain he is a girl named Lily. It also talks about hormone blockers, sex change surgery, and taking estrogen. Tim narrates, "Quote: I need to start hormone blockers right now, or things are going to be happen, or things are going to happen that can't be reversed." Right. Like he's going to turn into a boy, like he's supposed to. He's going to grow into a man, like he's supposed to. This is so sad. I, it, it actually makes me want to cry. I'm having a hard time with this podcast today. So I'm really sorry, you guys, uh, that I kind of went off on crazy on you today. But um, parents need to stand up. This is ridiculous. These are your children. And this is our watch. And I do not understand how this can continue to happen, how 0.01% of the population has allowed, how the rest of us have allowed 0.01% of the population to push this into our schools and into our churches and into our synagogues and into our libraries. It is absolutely a tragedy to me. And uh, I just want to encourage you, uh, again, this article is found in World Magazine, but you can look it up if you just Google uh, World Magazine Battle of Books, Battle of the Books, I believe. Uh, You should be able to read the article. I will link back to it in the show notes today. Before I go, and I realize I'm I'm over time today, but I, I'm, ugh. my friend Sam Sorbo is going to be coming on the podcast with me on Friday. Sam, as many of you may know, uh, is married to Kevin Sorbo. They just released a, a movie called God's Not Dead, and they've released uh, several movies. They have an incredible voice for uh, Christian conservative and conservatism in the Los Angeles area. Sam is a friend of mine. We're going to be talking on Friday about her new book, Teach from Love, Sam has written a book called They're Your Kids, talking about how important it is for parents to begin to take back the education system, not only in this country, but starting with our children. And she is a spitfire. You guys are going to love hearing from her. So she'll be on the podcast with me on Friday. And in the meantime, I wanted to remind you, uh, if you're not joining me over at MomStrong International, uh, come on over. We are over 6,000 members strong there in less than four months. And here's what's cool about it. 
I have a passion to direct women and grandmothers, anyone who is uh, who has influence in the life of a child, back to the authority of the Word of God. Because listen, you guys, it doesn't matter. I'm, and this is what I just told an entire audience in Atlanta. It doesn't matter if people believe God's word or not. God's word is like the laws of gravity. Gravity doesn't care if you believe it or not. If you walk off the roof of your house and you say, I actually don't believe in gravity, gravity is not going to care. You're going to hit the ground and break your neck or break your arm or at the very least twist your ankle uh, because that's what happens when we defy the laws of gravity. The same thing is true of God's law in our lives. When we go against what God says is right, suffering is the sure result. And so if you're like many Christian uh, women that I know today, you've been reading the headlines and you watch the rapid fire changes that are happening in our culture uh, with frustration and fear. And I think it's true. uh, Today's mothers are facing questions from their children that previous generations didn't even see coming, frankly, partly because we were sleeping. So now even our right to determine what's best for our own children is under fire. And I believe that today's mothers and today's grandmothers, who, by the way, still need to stay on the battlefield, need a special kind of strength. We need to know what God's word says. We need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And we cannot rely on human strength and wisdom for the battles that we're facing right now. You guys, you are the parents in the midst of it all. And so I just want to encourage you. I have developed, along with my husband, Mom Strong International, it's a network Uh, for members, and it's designed to equip you for the job that only you can do, which is to train your children to hear God's voice and to walk in truth no matter where our culture is heading. God wants to use this generation of mothers to do something extraordinary. And I want to just encourage you, come along with me. We are doing uh, monthly Bible studies over at MomStrong International. They are geared to equip you, to encourage you, to grow you up, to mature you, And then every uh, Bible study has a section for your children. So you can turn right around and engage your children uh, with what's happening in the culture. We have to talk to our children about what's going on in the culture today. And I want to encourage you uh, to be mom strong, to be strong in the Lord, to know who you are in Christ, and then to take that strength and that knowledge and that wisdom that comes from the Lord and uh, pass it on to your children. God wants you to be mom strong. So if you're feeling inadequate, if you're feeling tired or frustrated, get ready to find new strength as you join a multitude of women and myself over at Mom Strong International as we talk about sort of daily life and what's going on uh, in the culture. Also want to let you know the scripture writing challenge is over there. So you can get the scripture writing challenge uh, for, it's absolutely free. You can download it. You can do it every day with your children. It includes copy work for your children and then just the regular scripture writing plan. Uh, for yourself. And then if you want to dig deeper, and I hope that you will, because I think it's going to bless and encourage you. And also it helps your subscription helps grow this ministry. We are actually having a scripture writing contest. And if you want to enter, all you've got to do is log into your account at MomStrong International, find the thread that talks about the April scripture writing contest, and then just comment on your favorite strategy for completing your scripture writing challenge each month. So how do you do it? How do you do it with your kids? Do you travel and take it with you? Do you put it on index cards or in a notebook? We want to know your secrets for getting into the Word of God consistently every day. And we're going to select two winners on April 27th, and they will receive each a hardback cover copy of Becoming MomStrong. 
I'm looking forward to seeing many of you in Edmonton, Alberta this next weekend. And stay tuned on Friday. You are going to love listening to my friend, Sam Sorbo. Thanks, everybody. Get back onto the battlefield. I'll see you back here on Friday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.